afternoon, everyone, and thank you for choosing to spend your afternoon here with us. For those who don't know, I'm Patricia Ogan-Fable, and I do a podcast show to help people maximise property values. It's called Maximising Property Values. Very original. And it's on all the popular platforms. It's on Apple, Spotify, Google, Audible. It's on all of them. That, however, normally is just a monologue, just me talking. But from the 17th of November, I've added a guest series where I have had one amazing person come and talk to me. Now, this was put me off. Come and talk to me about what they are doing in property. And my guest today is Tosing Talabi. We are going to get to know him a little bit more today. So who is Tosin? He is an investor, a mentor, a medical doctor. Now when he says medical doctor, so I've taken this from what he's put in his bio um, for this um, particular talk today. When he says medical doctor, he is actually being, um, bit modest I think because he's not just a doctor he's a consultant and consultants are one level above actually two levels aren't they because you've got registrar then you've got consultant anyway that's 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 the sum total of my my understanding of the medical profession so yep carrying on and he's a philanthropist he's a doting father and husband he's a lover of animals he's a golfer he is a human. Oh gosh, who would have guessed? And he is, he likes to be human in everything that he does. So that's a bit of an intro for you guys in the room. And on that note, I'd like to say, Tosin, thank you very, very much for coming on to this and welcome to Maximising Property Values. But, 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 but before we go into your property activities, we would like to get to know you a little bit better. So I've got two questions for you, perhaps two and a half. So the first one is, you are a medical doctor, even though you're not, you're a consultant. What is the most horrific situation that you had to face in the course of your work? Now, I don't know how um, strong I'm feeling and I don't know how much you've actually experienced, but that was what came to mind. So I thought I'm going to ask it. So that's number one. Then the second one is this. So you guys take what is known as the Hippocratic Oath. So first of all, if you just explain to us really briefly what that is, and then secondly, if you would tell us if there was ever a time when you wished you were not bound by that oath. So those are your two questions, perhaps two and a half, two, two, two questions, over to you. Wow, okay. <laughs> yeah, good afternoon, everyone. And um, um, yeah, um, thanks for the lovely introduction, uh, Patricia. And uh, there is something you didn't mention, and I know why you didn't mention it, uh, but uh, 
I'm also a military personnel. Uh, I work for the military. And um, I think I'll answer the first question as, as uh, first of all. Um, the most horrific situation I've had to face, um, and I don't mind my employers, I'm sure they won't mind me sharing this, um, is when I was in um, uh, Iraq. And uh, there were three doctors. Oh, apologies, um, I'm working from home today so I could um, I could do this series. So if you hear some noise in the background, that's my son. Uh, he has a diagnosis of autism. So you could hear some shouts once in a while, uh, but um, it won't be frequent, so apologies for that. Of yeah, course, so... no need to apologize. That, that's absolutely fine. No, 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 we're all humans, so yeah. It, and it just dovetails really into what we're gonna be talking about today. So no problems, please do not apologize. Yeah, so I, I was in Iraq and um, I think it was 2004, five. And most of the people that come to me, I have to treat both um, 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 both enemy and friendly forces. Um, that's 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 what um, doctors are there to do. So there was this young young man. Um, for some reason, has a, a bullet in the middle of his head. You know, for obvious reasons. And was for some reason he was still alive. And what we did, I I, I was the head of um, a team of five. Uh, you had um, an anesthetist, um, intensive care nurse, uh, a medic. So we basically scooped down the, we scooped the injured soldiers, put them in a helicopter and start treating in the helicopter. So you can imagine in the heat, vibration, helicopter doing maneuvers, escaping, um, firings and all of that stuff. So it's very difficult to, to treat somebody at, at the back of um, a helicopter in that kind of scenario, but, but we do. The aim is to keep them alive until we get to the field hospital. So there was this young man, it couldn't be more than 23, um, and uh, he had this big hole and he, he knew it, uh, but he was still talking. And that's the, that's just the uh, amazement of um, uh, of the creator of the universe, uh, how somebody can have that kind of a hole and was still talking. Uh, I can understand the the medicine of it because it probably went through the mid, mid bit, so it didn't cut any, um, any neural fibers at the time, but the blast will eventually take over and, and uh, will probably, um, would kill the, the person, but he was still talking. And he said to me, uh, I'm not gonna make it dark, am I? And I couldn't lie, uh, but I couldn't tell him you're not gonna make it. I just said, look, let's just get you sorted out. And he gave me a piece of paper and, and he gave it to me and asked me to, to give to his girlfriend and and, um, and daughter. And I found that very difficult. It was very horrific because you know we lost, we lost him before we got to the hospital. And uh, and I, you know, later in the day, I reflected on that, and I thought this very handsome, six foot, you know, young man, a very handsome guy, and I thought, you know, this 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 was very difficult for me. Uh, that was the first time actually uh, I'd experienced anything like that. I experienced for that things like that afterwards, but that was the very first time, and um, uh, it took me a while to recover uh, psychologically. Uh, but you know, I didn't have time to recover because the next day we had to go again. But I remember that as if it was yesterday, uh, because I had to do what he asked me to do and um, and meet his family and all of that. It was quite difficult. Yeah, that was the most horrific thing I've had to do. Wow. Yeah, that sounds horrible, doesn't it? Especially if he yeah. was talking and was anticipating that he wasn't going to make it, and then he's leaving his last message to his loved ones. Yeah, I can well imagine that. 
Um, do you know what? When I when I was kind of like thinking, I'm going to ask you that question. I thought, mm, is it a good question to ask? But then I thought, we want to get to know you, and I think this is part of you, and this is one of the things that I, um, I, I I'm 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 finding very like humbling about you know the guest series which is you know we all have different stories to tell and we're all different people because of our experiences and just getting to know that that little bit extra about people that you won't find on LinkedIn that you're not going to find on Facebook that you're not going to find on Instagram I think just brings that person to the fore a lot more so thank you very much for sharing that with us and your second question is this. So again, you know, like you guys take the, you know, the oath. When was the, you know, so if you can share with us a time when you wished you were not bound by that oath. So you did not want to treat that person. You actually wished they were going to die. You probably actually wished you had a gun so you could actually shoot them dead. But um, what, have you ever been in that situation before? And if you have, can you just walk us through it and how you actually resolved that that internal conflict? If there was a conflict at all. Oh, sorry, I was talking to myself. I keep doing this. Um, right. Um, I don't think I've ever faced that scenario where I wish somebody dead. I think the good thing about medical school, you know, you spent six, seven years in medical school, they kind of, uh, if I may use the word, brainwash you, and you, you are, um, you are engineered to. Well, most people, not all. Uh, you're generally engineered to want to save, to want to treat the ill, to want to share knowledge, and that's part of the Hippocratic oath, by the way. Uh, you're engineered, and over the years, it just becomes part of you. And uh, and then when you do your um, postgraduate training as well, your residency, that is reinforced in, in your specialty. And I, I don't think I've come to a situation where, um, you know, I wouldn't want to help. I wouldn't want to treat, even if I think the person uh, could harm me, uh, like, you know, in the war front, for example. As long as I, I've made myself safe and um, I, I still want to help. And I, I think it's with that. It's like that with most doctors. Not all doctors I might, I might have. And that's why in my bio I put being human. Um, it's not everyone that has that being human. Uh, we're all human being, and to be honest, if you put the human touch to most things that we do, and just the human, it's actually easier to be kind than to be nasty. And you actually expend less energy being kind uh, compared to being nasty. And the, the, the more people realize this in anything they do, medicine, properties, in all walks of life, um, you know, the better for humanity. And so in terms of the Hippocratic Oath, we are obliged to share knowledge, to treat the sick, to conduct ourselves properly. And, and I think uh, over several years, uh, we're engineered to be like that, uh, generally speaking. So the only time I might add, if, um, is if I know somebody's suffering, really suffering, and they were going to die anyway, uh, but I still don't wish them dead, what I would do is to alleviate the suffering, maybe with painkillers and just make them comfortable with music and, and good painkillers so they don't suffer. But I, 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 you know, I find it difficult to uh, wish anybody dead. Well, thank you. That, that, yeah, you really are true to your bio. 
and you know for people in the room if you want to listen to this after today it's going to be on clubhouse it'll be under my profile it'll be under tosin's profile and it will be under the club's profile which is maximizing property pound 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 only because i ran out of characters and could not write values and if you tap on the link which is above our heads um you you will be able to see hopefully your favorite listening app and then you can just tap on that and you can subscribe to this so anytime a podcast is released you will get notified so that is where we are um, and this podcast will be released in a week's time so next week wednesday this will be coming out and that leads us now to your property activities now can you please just tell us so you're a consultant so you're a medical consultant and you work in the army or for the army and you are also a property person how do you how do you marry them together how how do you make them work what is the key what is what is the magic ingredient now, thanks again, uh, Patricia. Uh, we really get upset when people say we are army. Uh, <laughs> I, I work for the RAF, and um, because we all wear um, because we all wear combat sometimes uh, when we're out and about for convenience, people just assume that uh, Navy, Army, and Navy Air Force are all army. Uh, oh, I'm so uh, sorry. I thought you said army. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, sorry. I, I, uh, we are the gentlemen of, of the forces. Um, Anyway, um, there is the there is the uh, not, not upset as an angry. I was just joking, by the way. There is the there is this uh, saying that that says that uh, it's it's just a joke, really. That says that uh, uh, the the army um, uh, are men trying to be gentlemen, uh, and the navy uh, are gentlemen just being themselves, and, uh, and the area of uh, gentlemen trying to be neither. So it's just something we say amongst each other that you know we're the <laughs> we're the elite. <laughs> We're the junior. We're the junior services. The navy is the senior service, but uh, we are the gentlemen of the forces. Right. In terms of properties, um, uh, to be to be frankly honest, I have always had an entrepreneurial mindset right from right from the go. Um, in Nigeria, when I finished medical school, um, and you wouldn't believe it. Uh, you you do your housemanship, uh, which is uh, a year once you finish, and then you do your. Uh, national youth service and just as i was finishing my national youth service about about i always knew that i i was not somebody that would depend on salaries i always knew that i finished medical school at 23 i was a doctor at 23. so i always knew that um i i would not depend on salaries i just didn't know what i would do and um so after youth service i bought a downfall which is um like uh, a bus you know, I don't know how to explain it, but like a bus, a Volkswagen bus, and put it in transport because I knew it could deliver me money every every um, every day. I also knew that there were high risks uh, at the time because you know it could break down, the driver could tell the stories and blah blah blah. But then it did quite well, and I thought, okay, I don't need this money. I earned well for you know, I still stayed. Um, my job at the time actually gave me accommodation. So, and I went home, you know, to collect food. So, 
I, I thought, okay, I'll use this first thing to buy a second one. So by the time I was doing my first job as a doctor, I had two, two vehicles going out every day, making money for me every day. And I was going to continue in that, in that line. Uh, but then um, there was a problem in Nigeria. I think there was some change in government. I can't remember the exact stuff now. There was a lot of problems and things didn't go according to plan. I was going to build my transport uh, business. Even as a doctor, I was thinking transport. And um, I thought, okay, um, then I left Nigeria. I came to this country um, and we had Joshua, that's my son. And um, I, I came here to do obstetrics and gynecology. So for quite a while, I was in obstetrics and gynecology. And I also always knew that I wasn't a salary person. I needed something else. Uh, so I bought my first house uh, in 1996, uh, but I, I sold it because we had to go to Scotland to do my residency, three-year residency in obstetrics and gynecology uh, as a registrar. So we sold it, um, and then about 1998, I bought another one. And this time around, we were in Scotland. I just felt I needed something. Oh, by the way, the reason I jumped from transport to property was that uh, I left Nigeria. I don't know anything about transport in this country, and I don't think it's a private thing. And I, I met my aunt who had, I mean, I discussed with my aunt. Uh, we just started talking and uh, she told me that she had, prop I didn't know this when I was young. I just knew she was wealthy, but I didn't know how, how come she was wealthy. She had properties in, and now I was a doctor so she could talk to me. She had properties in England, properties in Nigeria, and she straddles both countries. And she said to me, look, I have properties in Nigeria. I don't take money to Nigeria. The money I spend in Nigeria, I make in Nigeria. I have properties in the UK. The money I spend in the UK, I make in the UK. I said, wow, that's a good idea. That's, that sounds like a good idea. So when I had some money, the first thing I did was to buy uh, a property in London. I was living in Scotland. <clears throat> Excuse me. I bought a property in London. And um, uh, looking back now, that person must have been a, a deal packager because at the time I didn't know what the deal packager was because he just said to me, look, there's this property. Um, you don't need to do anything. You just need to give me this money. I will refurbish I will it. We'll rent it out for you. We'll do everything for you. I know you're in Scotland, blah, blah, blah. And he did everything. Obviously, he made his own money out of it. I uh, did everything for me. And that house I bought at 120 in 1998. It's just under 500,000 pounds now. The house has fetched me maybe four other houses and a few rental units in Nigeria. I don't want to say numbers. But um, uh, it just shows you the power of, of, of one house. Because at the time, I didn't realize, you know, I didn't know what it, you know, an interest on the mortgage was. So it was a repayment mortgage. So the, 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 the house prices kept going up. And I, I had very little money left to pay with this house. Um, the rent was paying the mortgage and, you know, and there was very little money left. So I just kept taking money out of that house, just that one house, to buy more and to do more stuff abroad. And um, that one house, I mean, I had many other ones, uh, but that one house, I can imagine it fetched me quite a few other houses. So um, well, I, I wouldn't really call myself an investor until maybe about four or five years ago. I just thought it was a good idea. Followed my aunt, bought a few houses, save, take money out of the old house, buy a new one, save, buy new ones. Uh, the houses I bought just before the crash, uh, you know, it was money, extra money I saved from Iraq and Afghanistan I, I didn't need. I just 
but I just bought houses rather than go on holidays. Um, but when I went to um, uh, a meet, a property meet, uh, progressive properties actually, uh, like a tester session, and I thought, what is all these creative ideas? And that was 2016. And they were talking about assisted sale, they were talking about um, exchange with delayed completion, completion uh, purchase this. What is all of this? I didn't know any of this, to be honest. Uh, HMO, I didn't know any of this. And I thought, wow, I've been doing it the wrong way. Um, I had a bit more education. And um, I said, okay, this is interesting. And I started to use those strategies. I didn't do anything for two years. That's another thing. Um, I didn't do anything for two years. I was too busy doing other stuff. But 2018, I started, you know, big time. And I can tell you now that between 18 and now, just four years, just about four years, I've bought more houses than I bought the previous 15, 20 years. And um, I just, just shows you the power of creative financing. Um, you know, I brought in JV partners. I brought in um, all kinds of creative ways to to, to buy properties. Um, and yeah, so that's my property journey uh, in a nutshell. Wow, that is that is <laughs> that is actually very inspiring. So thank you very much for sharing that with us. So, nineteen ninety eight. So that was what twenty what twenty four twenty five years ago. £120,000 to numerous houses now. And in the last four years, you just went to town. You just went absolutely kind of like crazy on the properties and bought more during those four years than you did in the previous 20. That is just amazing. Where where would you say your your favourite investment area is? So your the first one that you bought when you were in Scotland was in London. But now, where would you say is your favourite investment area? Yeah, um, I've got a few in London uh, because, uh, like I said, I didn't know what I was doing at the time. Um, I've got in, um, in Hampshire as well. But most of my properties now are in Lincolnshire. Uh, it took me a while. Um, I wanted a gold mine area, if you like. I wanted a place where I could just start to buy properties. Uh, I wanted to follow um, uh, uh, Mark Omar of most kind of, um, you know, um, model where you have a town, you know, sizable enough to to acquire hundreds of properties. And um, I chose Leicester. Now, this is very interesting. I chose Leicester. I looked at the demographics and them. Um, and um, I lost money. <laughs> and um, uh, I chose Leicester for many reasons. The demographics, it was big enough. Um, there was good trend line to, to London. And I knew that as a military person, I would be moving around, but I knew I would settle in Buckinghamshire. So there were many good reasons why I chose Leicester. I did my research. But I, lost, I lost money. And I was just, um, I, I, I can't be spiritual. I can't reflect and meditate and pray. And I just reflected on this and I thought, okay, you, right now, you're in Lincolnshire. You're working in Lincolnshire. You're going to be there for the next couple of years. Why don't you look around here? And then I started looking around here, and I thought, oh, this is interesting. So I chose uh, three towns where I invest, Grantham, Seaford, and Newark. And I learned a lot about these areas. I learned a lot about the council, the local authorities. And I started investing in this area. And then 
Um, I met a few agents, a few of the agents now know me, and some of them actually call me first. They tell them, look, would you, would you like this? It's going to the market tomorrow or next tomorrow. Uh, sometimes I say, yep, I'll have that. Sometimes I'll say, oh, my friend will have that. Uh, so it's good. Oh, by the way, every Christmas I have, you know, wine, biscuits, chocolates. I take to my estate agents. It's just something I do. It's just being human. And um, like I said, if you are kind to people, they will be kind to you. I've got so many deals that never reached the market. Uh, and I'll share one with you, Patricia, last me um, at some point uh, during this oh, lovely. Lovely. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's what we love. <laughs> uh, actually, I can just go into that now. It's, it's my latest acquisition. It's a multi-unit free blog. And um, I like problem properties. People shy away from them, but um, over the years, um, I set the right move and supply to alert me of properties who have been in the market for quite a while in my area. And I saw this one that has been in the, in the market. It was on the market for like three years ago, then pulled out, it, it didn't sell. And I noticed it just came back on the market. And um, I, give, I give all my properties to one agent. So I'm you know, very, you know, very familiar with them. And then the legend lady told me, I said, look, there's this property that's in the market. I know the owner. I think they will accept any offer. I said, are you sure? I said, yeah, yeah, just, just put an offer. They will accept. Uh, the man lives in the Isle of Man. He's a rich man. Um, he doesn't need this. He's retiring. Just give me all the load down. Now, this is a lady in the Latin section. She's not even in the sales section. Okay? All about relationships. She gave me all the load down. And I said, okay, I'll have a look at it. And I had a look at it. Great till they stayed. Been on the market for quite a while. It's generating over 18,000 pounds. Why is it not selling? Something is not quite. So I went back to her. I said, look, why is it not selling? And she said, oh, um, it's going to be cash. I said, but why does it have to be cash? Oh, the next um, property is a Chinese restaurant. So, so okay, so why should that matter? I don't know. So I went to my broker and I said, look, again, I've got a party. It's good to have all these people that you can just call. And I went to my broker and I said, look, what is this about Chinese restaurant next to a property that is yielding so well and nobody's buying it? What's going on? Oh, he said, oh, yeah, fire risk. And that um, uh, a few lenders don't like, you know, uh, any kitchen next door because of fire risk. So it has to be a specialist lending. I said, okay, here is the situation. Can we get um, lending on this? I don't want to tie down 200,000 pounds on a property. Um, you know, that's not the way I operate. I like to use other people's money if I can. Uh, other institutions' money, not necessarily people. I, I like, you know, to use creative financing. He said, yeah, yeah, we can get specialist lending for this. Uh, we will do what is called, you know, what we'll do a bridging to long term. And there are specialist providers that can do that. I said, okay, fine. What do I need to do? He said, oh, but we're looking at 30% deposit. I said, okay, fine. I need to be sure I can get lending. So he went around and he got lending. I said, okay, good. So I went to this, uh, the, the agent and I said, look, um, I, you know, I can see, you know, that you, this was in the market three years ago. It just come back on the market. So you've not sold it for three years. Um, you want cash only. And that, um, look, you're not going to sell this for 198,000. You know, it's not, it's not going to happen. So, I've looked at the areas, I've looked at the comparables. I will offer you 165. And uh, meanwhile, I have the inside story from the other lady that told me, just, just make an offer. 
I would offer 165. And um, and they came back and um, and said, no, you know, they wanted something more. So I left it. And um, they came back to me and said, oh, um, the vendor wants to know whether you have cash. I said, okay, um, I don't have cash, but I can't get lending. So in a cash manner. Uh, I said, okay, then they went back again and then they came back to me again and, I, and then things had changed then. COVID had set in, a lot of stuff had changed at the time. And I looked at it again and I said, I'm sorry, I know I, I did say 165, but I've looked at it again, things have changed drastically. Uh, you know, you know, I really want this property, but it's great to list it. I've got to get consent and and my numbers are just not going to work. I, I was very honest about it. I looked at the numbers. You know, they're just not going to work at that at that price. And she said, "Okay, how much? How much will you offer?" I said, "Like I will offer one fifty-two." So if I'm going to buy it cash, then you need to give me considerable consideration. So we are we are from one ninety-eight now to one fifty-two. And um, so I went to see it, and I made the offer, and I said, Look, "It's subject to structural solving uh, because it's an old building, it's great till they said. I wanted to be sure, so I did a structural survey uh, that." Um, that um, cost me two thousand pounds, and I thought about it, and I said, "Why am I spending this kind of money?" I said, "Well, I've already bought it from one sixty-five to one fifty-two, so I guess you know, spending two thousand pounds just to be sure, and, and you know, um, would be worth it." But again, you know, from experience, I know that if things are really wrong with this property, I can use and they, and they are rectifiable, remediable. I can still use this survey to get more money off. I don't want to go on for too long, but quite a long story short, we did a structural survey. It cost me two thousand pounds. All during COVID, we're looking at I think um, August last year, September. It was quite difficult October, and um, the structural survey came. A few bins were meant to be replaced. Some things were meant to be done, you know, here and there. Um, but you know how the structural surveys come out? There were like twenty something lists of things to do. It looked bad. But when I actually read it. It, it wasn't really as bad as it looked. I sent it to a couple of my builder friends and I said, actually, you know, we can fix this, you know, with 5K or something like that. So I went back to the um, agent. I said, look, Sarah, I'm so sorry. I know we've agreed 152, but here's the structural survey. I've got to do a lot of work here. I didn't tell her how much. I just said, I've got to do a lot of work here. Here's the structural survey. You have a look at it yourself. Um, take it to the to the owner. And the owner came back and said, I'm just tired of this property. How much do you want to buy it for? I said, 142. Okay, just 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 kind of with it. So I can't believe this. <laughs> so just just get on with it. Sell the house for 142. And uh, so we got the lending. We completed, I believe we completed uh, just before Christmas. And uh, uh, it's one of those uh, specialist lending from, from Bridging. After six months, we go on to a uh, long-term mortgage. I'm going to do a few, some work to it. Uh, cost me twenty thousand pounds, and the lender, the short-term lender, has given me a GDV after doing that work of two hundred thousand pounds. So uh, <clears throat> I'm going to pull out a lot of my money, and I'm, I think I spent about thirty uh, percent. You know, maybe about forty thousand pounds or so. Thirty percent of the purchase cost plus you know, um, broker fees and all of those fees. I think I spent just under 40,000 pounds. And guess what, um, for that property, 
uh, and it's fetching me as we speak, just over eighteen thousand pounds. So we're looking at about, you know, eighteen thousand pounds. I spent under forty thousand pounds. So do the mathematics. We're looking at over twenty twenty percent ROCE. I've not done the mathematics, but let's say I spent forty k. It's yielding me eighteen k. So we're we're looking at you know um, over twenty percent ROCE. Uh, now, but the good thing about this deal for me uh, uh, is that it was a problem property. Uh, if you look at it, you can always, always, you know, find a solution. Uh, it's about finding solutions, adding value, and and um, and uh, maximizing the property. Oh, and by the way, the money I spent on that property was not my savings. Okay. Now, this, this will surprise some of you, but maybe not all of you. Um, <clears throat> I have very good credit, and that's why having a job actually can be helpful sometimes. I have very good credit, and I've got Barclay cards, MBA, and they're writing me all the time. Come and take 20,000 pounds for 2.5%, you know, 0% interest, 2.5% handling charge, blah, 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 blah. And I used two of this credit card to pay for this property. Now, yes, you pay 2.5% upfront. So, uh, over 18 months, so um, and then it will go back to its normal standard variable rate. Now, if you're very disciplined, you make sure you pay all that money back within that 18 months. So, I borrowed money at 2.5% for 18 months to buy a property that is yielding me over 20% ROC. That is creative financing, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> oh my goodness, thank you. Do you know? It I hate figures and you have put me through hell because as soon as you started, I was working out the figures. Okay, you've had that much reduction. Then you'd say, oh, and then this happened. And then I got it down to that. And I'd have to go back and rework those figures. But in the end, you got, well, according to my figures, which may or may not be correct, 28.28% off the asking price. That is commendable. Well done. Well, well done. That is that is just really, really good. And and also you're a very good negotiator because lots of people would have given up and thought, oh no, I'm gonna be too embarrassed. I'm I, you know, I can't do this, I can't go back to them, I can't do this, I can't do that. And also, I think what you know, just again, you know, for people who are gonna be listening to this. This is this is the situation you want to be in when you're not a motivated buyer, because it doesn't really matter to you. You've made the offer and you just you, you, you sit back, you sit back and and now you've got this. Well, if it's a grade two listed building, it's likely to be gorgeous and you've got it and you're making money from it. Oh, honestly, amazing, 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 amazing. Wow. Now, sorry for people in the room, I, I haven't been able to pin up like Tosin's links um, for some reason. I don't know if any of you saw my uh, my earlier attempt. Um, it just did not work. So I'm, you're back to maximising property values, <laughs> which if you tap on, at least you will be able to see your, your favourite listening app and then you can subscribe to this and then you will get notified when a podcast is released. Wow, I I, you know, I love it when people make money from property because the money is there to be made. And if we're not making it, 
we're literally just missing out on opportunities. And there's nothing and nobody that's saying to us, don't make the best of your assets. Don't make the best of your knowledge. Don't make the best of your connections. And if we can do those things and make money, oh my goodness. So what was your, I think you've actually touched on this, but I'll ask you again, because it might be something else, although I think you have actually touched on it. What was your eureka moment in property? What was like the light bulb moment that just made you just think, oh my gosh, yes, I, I've got it. I've got it. This is what I'm going to be doing. So I, I'm assuming this would have been, if not, you know, I, not so much your aunt, I wouldn't say, because that was way back. Um, but in 2018, when you went, you know, on, on the course, was it then or was it after that? Or, you know, how did it happen? When did like the penny drop and you just say, oh, yes, you, this is not something that I want to be doing. Maybe like, you know, one every other year or one every decade. This is something that I want to really put my effort and my, you know, and my passion into. Yeah, well, thanks again, um, um, Patricia. Oh, like my aunt did it, you know, you know, she was a businesswoman, so she would save money by, you know, just buy by them. Yeah. So, um, <clears throat> I mean, I'm, you know, I've surpassed her now in terms of numbers. Um, but, um, and she's very proud of me, actually, when I told her that she was my inspiration. But actually, the Eureka moment, um, was in 2016, even though I, I wasted two years, didn't do anything about it. Uh, I went to Progressive's property and a lady called Anne Hulton stepped up and says, oh, I'm a dentist and I've got 50 properties and I've got this. I said, wow, how, 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 how do you get, how did that happen? Because, you know, being a doctor is very busy, being a consultant. I'm also a trainer, I train doctors and it's so busy, my life is busy. And I, how, how can she do, I, so she caught my attention. How on earth are you going to be a dentist? Your husband is a GP. How how would how do you do this? So I had to listen. So that for me, and then when she went on about how uh, she did, you know, buy a refurbished, refinance, repeat, uh, how she used her weekends, how she you know used people in terms of her party, and how she had a team, and how she did the numbers, how she focused on particular properties that she could add value to. She made it look so simple, you know, during that talk. I'm sure she probably doesn't know this, but uh, she made it look so simple. I thought, okay, here's a dentist who has been doing this like this for quite a while. So I have no excuse, again, really. Business is not part of it. Learn how to do this creative stuff and get on with it. And then I listened to her a couple more times, uh, but late 17, I just said, right, I'm gonna start now. And 18, I started, and then 19, COVID. During COVID, uh, during COVID, I think I think we bought about four or five properties during COVID. So, so it, you can always look for excuses. Um, I mean, there's some properties we bought we didn't even see. It was you know the agent going there doing a WhatsApp video. Um, I'm I'm going to make an offer for one that um, they've just sent me. Oh, by the way, I use the view bar. Um, I'm not advertising for view bar. I don't even know who they are, but I found them useful. Um, I used Viva, and uh, so there's no excuse anymore. Uh, so that was it for me, Eureka moment, uh, that, okay, here's a dentist who has done it, 
you know, I have no excuses. And, you know, just use your lunch break like I'm doing now. Um, use your leave, use your um, your weekends, um, you know, and, and have a team. Have a team that you can pay to go and do viewings for you uh, and do stuff for you. Um, just uh, kind of um, leverage on other people's skills and, and pay for service. And um, so that's that's how I adopted my business. I pay for services. I, I leverage on other people's skills and time. Um, and um, and I use my time judiciously. Wow. Oh, and Anne is such a lovely person as well. She is quite inspirational. And when she talks about, you know, what she does and how she does it, um, well, she's up in Derby, isn't she? Really, yes, really lovely lady. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, great stuff. Now, I know that you also like to help people because we cannot finish this podcast without you being able to tell people what you can do for them, which I know you enjoy doing and you love doing. So um, if you'd like to tell people how you might be able to help them with their journeys, along their journeys, with, with what they're doing in property, that will be great because it will be straight from the horse's mouth, not from my mouth. <laughs> yeah, thank you again, Patricia. Um, I've come to a stage in my life now where um, I consider myself blessed. Um, you know, life has been good to me and um, I'm in a good place. Um, uh, I give myself a why, you know, why? Why do I need to make my money? I'm already comfortable. And the why was that um, I want to be able to, when I leave the military, to help people without without missing my income. I earn very well as a doctor, as a consultant. I don't want to miss that income. So my why was that I want to replace uh, my income before I leave the military in three years' time. Now, I've achieved that, and so I'm going to look for another why. Now, why why? I want to be able to help people without thinking about everyday expenses. Um, it's, it's that phase of my life now where I want to give back. I want to leave a legacy. So, um, you know, if you're just starting out in properties and, um, um, you know, you get educated, but I, I can understand sometimes people don't have the money yet or uh, they just still want somebody to bounce things back. I'm happy to help. Uh, but I'm a very good judge of character. Um, I, I know a time waster when I see one. And I, I just, I'm happy to help people who are just starting out. They don't have to make the same mistake as we make. Uh, that's where my philanthropy comes in. Uh, I'm happy to be a blessing to people, to give back to society. Uh, I'm actually helping a few people now, you know, who who are starting on their journey. There's a young man who is doing a rental HMO uh, that I've helped, you know, I've told what to do and uh, pointed them in the right direction. So yeah, I'm happy to help people who are just starting out and people who are, you know, um, experienced who wants uh, collaboration. Um, I think outside the box, uh, if you're looking at a deal and you're not quite sure if they stack or how you can finance it, I'm, I'm happy to talk through with you. Uh, I'm happy to collaborate. I'm, I'm not a believer of, I must have my own, my own, my own thing. I'm happy to collaborate with experienced investors. Um, I'm happy to, to mentor people if you already have an outfit where you train people. I'm happy to do all of that. I just want to give back in any way I can. And I'm not, because of my employment, uh, my current employment, 
Um, I'm not you know, big on social media, so you don't see me all over the place posting. But if you reach out to me on Instagram text or on Facebook, uh, sorry, on um, Clubhouse text or any of those texts, I will, I will respond. And uh, But um, you probably will not see me posting stuff and, and all of that. That's because of the sensitivity surrounding my employment. Um, but yeah, that's, that's, that's right. the sensitivity. Great stuff. So people, please tap on Tosin's um, head um, to get you to his profile on Clubhouse and, you know, just follow him so that you can, and then, you know, reach out to him, you know, via the back channel uh, messaging facility um, if you'd like to get in touch. You know, leave your details, your name and your number maybe, and he will be able to get back to you. So, um, you know, do definitely, you know, link up with this, oh, I, I honestly do not know how you do it all, you know, being you know, a consultant, being in the military, being a property developer, being a, be, being a developed family person and being a human being at the same time. <laughs> all of it. Oh, no, honestly. Amazing, amazing, amazing. Thank you very, very, very much for sharing all of that with us. Um, and what I so, you know, where you are. Just tell us, you know, before we actually finish this off, why would people or why why would anyone, say, for instance, want to come up and buy in that area? What are the attractions? What are the good things? What are the prices like? You know, how much is an average house? What is an average house? An average house, I guess, what, a three bedroom house? How much is a two bedroom house? Roughly. How much is a flat, a one bed, a two bed? You know, people might be interested and, you know, you would be a contact there as well. So please tell us. Yeah, um, I chose this area because <clears throat> uh, even though it's very far away from London, um, there is a mainline station that goes through Grantham and Newark. And you can't be in central London within one hour, 20 minutes. So, and um, my, my, uh, my first tenants, a few of my first tenants were actually train drivers who couldn't afford London, but they get free uh, ticket on the train. So, um, and they can be anywhere between London and, and um, uh, Scotland. So the main line train station is a big one, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, and again, you know, it's historical, but um, Margaret Thatcher was an MP. So um, I was not MP, was 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 put up in, in Grantham. So I thought, okay, that's a nice historical one. Uh, I think she was MP for, for Barnett, but she was brought up in, in Grantham. Um, and then the other reason is that the house prices, I except if it's a multi-unit or a multi-unit free block, I try to get to go below 125 if I can, uh, because of the cancer tax. Uh, I mean, I still buy above 125 if the deal is right, but generally below 125. And there are very few places in the country now where you can get properties. You have to go really up north. Um, uh, and this is Midlands, really, where you can get property for that kind of um, value. You can still get properties here for 125, 130, 120. Uh, vanilla bite light, uh, 110. Um, I got one for during COVID uh, for 80. Uh, we spent 15K on it and um, we financed for 130K. So put out almost all the money for me and the JV. Uh, so, yeah, the, the, the house prices, uh, the the mainline station uh, and the fact that there are about three towns very close within 15-20 minutes from each other uh, which is Grantham, Sleaford, Newark 
Um, but it's slightly a bit more expensive, but the rent is slightly higher as well. Um, yeah, and, and Lincoln is not too far off. So and Lincoln has two universities. So it's a nice area um, uh, to, you know, nice areas for, for, the, for, the, for the price, for the, for the rental market. Uh, I mean, I hardly have any void. I can't remember the last time I had void in this area at all. Um, so yeah, those are the reasons. Do you know, I was literally going to ask you about that, about you know, how easy it is to get tenants and, and also what the typical yield might be. So you hardly have any voids, that's answered that. So that means that you know, there's, a, there's a healthy demand um, for accommodation, I would have thought. Um, but what about, what about yields? How, how, how is that working out? Yeah, yield is okay. I think it's about six, seven percent. Um, so it's okay. Um, the the um, I I go with um, ROC uh, return on capital employed generally, and I don't do deals that are less than ten percent in terms of um, return on capital employed. Uh, but in terms of yield, I think six seven percent um, in this area. Um, again, um, the good thing about this area also is oh, uh, a warning, warning. Um, it's probably, again, the reason why I like this area as well is this. If you go up north, you get good returns for the money you put into the property. But in most areas, you don't get any appreciation at all. Um, if you stay in London, you know, you get, if you don't know what you're doing, maximizing properties like uh, Patricia does, you don't get much for your money. Uh, or you get appreciation. I know it's a store now, but that would change. The good thing about this area, the Midlands generally, Birmingham, I'm not in Birmingham, but the Midlands, Birmingham is West Midlands, I'm in the East Midlands. The good thing about this area is that you get a bit of both, a bit of both worlds. The position is not great. It's not great at all, uh, but it, it does go up. One of the houses we just um, remortgaged recently, I bought for 100K just over, over two years ago. Um, TMW has uh, rebutted that 125. So that's not bad but that could just be a reflection of the crazy prices we've had in the last you know 12 months or so but that's kind of appreciation i'm talking about but um you get a bit of appreciation and your, your rent is always good you're, 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 you know you, you can get it you can rent for 500 pounds 600 pounds for a one and ten thousand pounds property that's that's very good um but the appreciation is not the appreciation is not great um, so that's, that's the, that's the, the thing about this area. Well, it's still, well, you, you still made, okay, fine. It's over two years, but if you're not looking to sell, if you're not looking to flip, um, 25% of what you paid for the property, that's not too bad, is it? Especially on a consultant's salary. <laughs> <laughs> I knew you were going to sneak that in at some point. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And the other thing also, a few of my colleagues have private practice where they, they do private consultation in, in private hospitals, but I've, I've purposely declined to do that. Because again, my why is that, you know, I want to be in a place where I don't have to trade my time for money. Uh, I can do it now because this is my profession. Now. And, and it has worked out for me because I'm making 
similar, if not more, than my colleagues who have private practices and they still have to. And I'm I'm tax efficient more than them, uh, because they still have, they still have to trade their time for money. Um, in properties, you front load the time that you put in, and you just sit back and enjoy the money. So I, I purposely do not have a private practice. I, I've been in medicine for over thirty years, and um, and I think um, it's okay if when I when I leave um, my medicine, I can just go into properties. I'll always be a doctor, and um, I'll probably do a couple of days um, a week or something like that. But um, my passion, my heart now is in properties um, because it allows, it frees me up to do the things I really enjoy, which is helping people. Whoa, 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 whoa. Now, do you know what? I, I nearly forgot to ask you this. Um, so when I was introducing you last week, I said, um, next week, we've got Mr. Now, can you just tell us why you doctors are so snobbish? So when you, when you start out, you're really happy to be called doctor. And then as soon as you become a consultant, you're no longer a doctor, you're a mister. That's if you're male, obviously. <laughs> what, what, what's the reasoning behind this? Well, actually, um, is, the, um, is the surgeons. Uh, when I was in obstetrics and gynecology, yeah, as a surgeon, yes, I would, I would be called mister, but I've left that uh, specialty now. So I, I'm actually still a doctor because I'm no longer a surgeon. Uh, I've, I've, I've dropped that, that bit of work. But if you are a surgeon, a consultant surgeon, um, it's Mister. It's a traditional thing, uh, because um, sometimes most of the surgeons go on to become professors uh, if they're into academia, um, but not all. I actually don't know the origin of it, but um, in the in the past, surgeons are very they are they are alpha male. Uh, in the past, things have changed. Things have changed over the last couple of decades uh, or three decades. Uh, when I was in medical school, a surgeon is like a god, you know, enters the theater, enters the the ward and just orders everybody around and talks to everybody. And but all, all that is not, that has changed now. You, you won't get away with that anymore. So so it, the surgeons needed to, you know, they needed to separate themselves and say we are special. And and that's, that's I think that's the origin of the mister. But, uh, <laughs> okay. yeah, I I. I didn't even realise it was just like the like the surgeons. I, I I thought it was all consultants. So yet again, I learned something new on Clubhouse. Um, it, it, so what would what would females be called? Miss. Oh, they're called Miss. Oh, yes. Again, uh, one, of, a bit one of derogatory. Yeah. Even if they're married, no, uh, they're Miss. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. Actually, they. I mean. Uh, Nowadays, you know, things have changed. Um, societal values are changing. Other people don't, people can't be bothered anymore. I think that's just within the hospital premises now, unlike um, before where you can take it outside. Uh, <clears throat> one of my, one of the lady I really respected, really um, um, German lady, um, uh, I actually trained under her as as um, obstetric and gynecology um, resident in Peterborough Hospital, actually. Really, really wonderful surgeon. Um, yeah. Uh, Miss Business, uh, um, uh, some really, really wonderful um, surgeons. Very, very, um, uh, very humble, and she she knew her stuff. Um, yeah, so there are quite a few around here. Yeah. Wow. 
Now, I have a question for you that's come from someone in the audience. And the question is this. Do you buy your properties through a limited liability company? And how does that affect your personal tax? Yeah, um, since, <clears throat> since uh, 2018, all of our properties are now in, in a limited liability company. But what I've done, though, is... Um, the simple, straightforward vitalite are in one company. Uh, HMOs are in one company. HMOs and commercial properties are in one company. And I'm looking to go, when I finish with the military, I'm looking to go into service accommodation, and that will be in another company. And there are reasons for that. Um, I've, I've kept, because I, if you don't have more than seven um, uh, properties under your name, there's just no point um, transferring them to I've done the sums for me. It didn't work for me, so I've left. I've left those ones under my name, in my name, and I've got an accountant for that that sorts all that all, all that out. Um, it's not as tax efficient as those ones in the company, but it's still okay. Um, so yes, personally, moving forward, I think people should buy in a limited liability company. It just has more. Uh, more tax efficiency and but what I must warn you though so that you don't make the same mistakes I'm of course made if if you're thinking ahead if you know for sure most people don't know but if you know for sure that you're going to build an empire you want you want 50 properties 100 but if you know for sure it's better to spend a bit of money and get the structure of your company right now don't just go online pay your 12 pounds and register the company uh, which you can do no don't do that go to the right people to the right tax consultants and barristers are also involved so they can set up if you have family as well if you have children and wife and all of that so they can set up the property company properly for example you know my my girls went to you know a fee paying school at some point i was paying twelve thousand pounds a term a term for one child so if i know if i know what i know now um some of the money i was giving them in university and all of that could have been dividends or salary if they were in the structure. So, so if you have family, you know, and you have to give them money anyway, um, you can structure your company, and, and so they are part of the company, and you have the A, betas, uh, you know, A, B, C, delta shares. And you can have a trustee shares as well. It's very complex, and I won't want to go into that now. But just get the right people to advise you and set it up properly. It's going to cost you money set it up properly so you can get tax advantage i know i know patricia is into um and, and some other people you know one property one company there's a company called get ground they do that as well one property one company i'm not so sure that i don't know enough about that but i just think it's in it's, in, it's an administrative nightmare if you have more than 20 properties i've got we've got over 40 rental units it's going to be an administrative nightmare if you have each 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 property uh, uh, for each company. I don't know how Patricia does it, but um, uh, I know some people do that, and I know Get Ground, you know, does that for people. But the way I have done it is to have the vanilla ones in one company, the complex HMO commercial in one company, and if you're going to be doing this in another company, and build because if you build up these companies and they become a, a huge assets, um, you know, you can do other stuff with them when they are a formidable company. Uh, so yes. Uh, company, company. 
Thank you, thank you, thank you. No, with with mine, I've not transferred anything that was in my personal name into a company um, because um, I used to work for HMRC, and I I'm I'm very very aware of um, anti avoidance, um, general anti avoidance rules, and it, 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 I just think I I suspect that there will be a lot of uh, no I don't I, I don't know I don't know but I wasn't prepared to do that myself um so the person's come back and said how does it affect your personal um income now what I would say to the person is a, a company is a separate is a different legal person in law so when you do anything through a company you're not doing it you're not treated as doing it yourself you are, you know, the because the company is a is a is a different legal person. So the company is taxed as a company, and you are taxed as an individual. And it, what happens in the company does not necessarily affect what happens to you personally, unless you pay yourself from the company or you know something like that. But if you ring fence, what's happening in the company, it won't affect your personal tax. And a couple of weeks ago, um, it was in December. I had a lady on, um, um, Rosita, and she's a tax accountant. So she actually talked about this. So you may want to go and listen to that particular guest series podcast. So Rosita McGowan, um, and um, she spoke about um, taxation issues. So I was just literally just just um, answering back something that was down in the back channel. Um, I can just add, um, Patricia, I can just add to that. Yeah. Yeah, uh, the was quite good actually, and we talked about the smart company setup as well. Uh, but what you need to understand is if you are uh, an additional um, taxpayer, uh, you know, you earn six figures and you earn above 150, you're going to be an additional taxpayer. You're probably paying 45 to 50% of your, of your um, of tax anyway. Uh, what you need to understand is this um, any money. Your, your company doesn't have any money. Well, mine has now, but you know, in, in the first couple of years or three years, your company doesn't have any money. So any money you're using to buy houses for the company are director's loans, okay? So let's say, for example, I loan my company, Tosin Talabi loans my company limited, 30,000 pounds to buy a property. You have an agreement which the lender would see that the company is owing me 30k so until the company pays all that money you know off you're not really liable to any corporation tax so so basically you could have hundreds of thousands in the director's loan account being owed by the company um and you can be taking them little by little because it it's a loan it's not an income so so any money you take from that company it's a loan repayment until the loan is paid off. Once the loan is paid off, then yes, any money you take out is taxable. Uh, so you need to get out of the back of your mind. The company doesn't have money, so you're you're giving the money capital, uh, the company capital to start business. So money that is paid back to the director is not an income; it's a loan repayment. Yeah, yeah, that is that is actually really really helpful to use. Um, so you then don't have to pay any tax on the monies that come out of the company to you, uh, but the company itself will still have to pay tax on um, whatever it's earned and made um, a profit on. 
So, um, yeah. So, it, it, you know, people just take advice. And also, you know, and Rosita, actually, she was talking about um, if you charge interest on these loans. And I said, you know, I never charge interest on my loans to my companies because I can't be, you know, doing tax returns every quarter. And she said, oh, it's not too much of a problem. And I'm thinking, you're a tax accountant. It wouldn't be for you. <laughs> um, so again, you know, if, if, you, if, you, if you lend your company money, you can charge interest up to a certain amount. It, it has to be, you know, something that um, HMRC will consider to be proper. And um, then, but you have to account for that interest quarterly because of the relationship that you have with that company. Um, and I can't remember what the name of the tax return is. I think it might be CT61, something or other like that. Um, and you have to do it. But then it's a personal choice. It depends on what you want to do. If you want to do it like that and you can do it and it's no skin off your nose, then oh, definitely why not? But yeah, Rosita actually talks about all of that um, in detail. So again, that's really good. And do you know, I can't believe it. I've just looked at my time. You have been... It's been so fascinating just listening to you. I wasn't even keeping an eye on the time. And we've gone over one o'clock. We've gone past one o'clock. <laughs> thank you so much. It's, oh, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you so much. Um, so, like I said, you know, if people want to listen back, this will be on Clubhouse. It will be under Tosin's profile, under my profile, and under the club's profile, maximising property, pound, pound, pound. So the club is the club which has like the green little monopoly thing at the top of at the top of my screen. Um, and then it will be released as a podcast um, on Wednesday, Wednesday week. And it will be on there as a bonus scene. So Tosin, thank you so much for doing this with me. And like I said before, if you're not already following Tosin, please just tap his face, follow him, you know, message him if you know if you'd like to ask him questions. He is very generous, and he is so lucky. He is in a giving mood. So, guys, <laughs> <laughs> don't, yeah, don't oh, yeah, yeah. I like to laugh, and you know, I'm just, I'm just, I'm, I'm just being, just being me. Um, so yes, do follow him and do learn from people who've done things before. Do, 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 do that. And next week, we've got a um, second person, actually, that does commercial, Toyin Ayodari. And she is going to be on, on here and it's going to be another interesting session. So if you're not, you know, in fact, if you're doing anything next week, Wednesday, reschedule it and be here come here and come and listen to Tony but thank you very very much for spending your afternoon with us um, we really do appreciate it thank you and thank you Tony thank you thank you for taking the time out to, to come and do this with me oh, thank you for having me in this pleasure so much thank you thank you guys